This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with The App Show, Canada's favorite mobile and app radio program. I'm your host, Mike Agarbo, here with John Beeler. We have an amazing radio show for you today. Uh, later on, we will be talking with our uh, man in Toronto, Ted Kritsonos. He's our Get Connected and App Show correspondent. He's done a bunch of reviews on the best earbuds to get. And this is uh, probably a good time to be talking about them because Christmas is coming up and there's literally hundreds of different models out there. They practically come in cereal boxes now. Yeah, and they're not as expensive as you think anymore. Like you can get really good ones for under a hundred bucks. Yeah. You don't have to buy $400 wireless uh, earbuds. Anyway, I encourage you to stick around for that. Uh, Have you got a need to transfer money from other countries to Canada or back and forth? or maybe thinking of setting up a U.S. account. We have an app that makes it deadly easy. And we will be talking with the folks. You'll be able to set up an account, transfer money, and save on all the transaction fees and the exchange rates. It's it's actually really cool. It's actually amazing how useful this particular app is right now. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. And uh, we will be talking with Tim Fields. He's the CEO of... A very big game company here in Can- uh, in Vancouver, in Canada, that I don't think a lot of people have heard of. Kabam Games. Kabam Games. And they make some of the most popular mobile games for like iPhones and Android phones. And the mobile game space, it's multi-billion dollars. So we're going to talk to him on what it's, you know, took to be successful here, not only in Canada, but around the world. And just even some tips for young people wanting to get in the industry. Yeah, and we have a nice little story about how we actually met Tim. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, John, let's talk about some of the, the mobile news right now. We've covered AirTags before. Yes. These are Apple's little tracking discs that you can buy and then put on your purse or bike or dog or just about anything in yep. your wallet. I have mine on my keys. Yeah, so you don't lose them. No. If you lose them, you can find them. But there has been concerns about people using these to track you, like slipping this on your car or, yeah, I've or actually on your person. I've seen some pretty interesting social media posts about people that found AirTags on their vehicle or they got alerted by their phone saying, hey, there's an unknown AirTag in your vicinity. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, I just found out about uh, this week was that the latest iOS beta, and this is you know not for the public quite yet. Uh, this is for just for developers, which, but I actually happen to have a developer account and I was able to check it out. There's a new feature that's come to the Find My iPhone app. And this is what the app, this is the app that you would use to find your your laptop, your, your phone, your tablet, anything like that. And then there's like a, a little um, tab called items and that's where you'd find your, all your AirTags. So my AirTags are showing, showing up there. I have my John's keys. And so anytime I'm somewhere else, it always updates the address where the the keys were last seen. And if I was to leave them behind in the office, if you were to walk by them, it would let me know that they're in the office still and I'm not there. Yeah. But the problem is, is that if you have uh, an unknown AirTag in your vicinity, sometimes it can take quite a while for your phone to alert you that there's one nearby because that's supposed to be one of the features right right but i've heard anything anything from 24 to 48 hours that long yeah oh i thought it was like instantaneous no no but they've added a new feature in the beta and it's you go onto the items tab and uh items that can track me 
And then basically you get a little um, interface now. You can actually search. So if you do have one, uh, if you think there's one maybe near you, or you just want to check regularly, you can now just press the search button and it'll actually allow you to manually search for any air tags that don't belong to you in your vicinity. Is it just air tags? Just air tags. Okay. But I mean, these things are like the size of a quarter kind of. Kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're pretty easy to hide yeah. and someone could slip it into your pocket, your backpack, you know, it, there's all kinds of really awful things people would use this for. Yeah. And I mean, I think props to Apple for actually making it easy for you to find them, but now it's even easier for you to manually locate them. That's coming in the latest update to Yeah, probably to in the next week or two. So something to look out for. Uh, obviously, we're all concerned about our privacy. Okay, we're going to have to take a break here on the App Show. But when we come back, find out how one Vancouver company is literally making huge coin <laughs> on mobile phones. Like, it'll blow you away. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the program. Mike and John here. We've got a really cool guest on the line, John. And uh, very happy to, to to get him on. And it's kind of an interesting story how we met uh, Tim. Yes, I, I love this story, actually. We were uh, at uh, that uh, big launch event back in uh, Vienna a few weeks ago and actually met him in Vienna and then Budapest after that. Well, we met in Vienna at an after party. Yes. And then we found out that they, Tim and his wife, was also going to Budapest like we were. Now we just call him Budapest Tim. Yeah, <laughs> we've got Tim Fields on the line. He is uh, the CEO of a really cool Vancouver or Canadian company. Uh, they're also in the U.S. Uh, called Kabam Games. Thanks for joining us, Tim. What a pleasure to be here with you both and to see you again in this hemisphere. Yes, yes. Kind of interesting. We had to meet on another continent. Uh, but I wanted to get you on the line because I, I just find your story fascinating and just the, the story of gaming and mobile gaming and, and how big it really is now. Uh, maybe you can tell our listeners uh, just some of the games that you guys have out for the mobile space. Sure. Um, we've got a couple of different games that we're well known for. The best known of these is Marvel Contest of Champions, which is a fighting game RPG for mobile devices. Uh, and that's been operating for just about to hit its seventh birthday wow. next month. And then we've got a, a great game called Transformers Forge to Fight that we make with Hasbro, um, in which you can hang out with Optimus Prime and Bumblebee and all of your favorite uh, Transformers. And then one that I'm very excited about, uh, a game from our Montreal studio called Shop Titans that is entering its third year now. That's a real treat in which you get to play as a fantasy shopkeeper. Um, and hang out with your friends selling uh, uh, gear to adventurers, this kind of thing. And then uh, the other one, the one that I'm most excited about, uh, that's out just in Canada right now in soft launch, is called Disney Mirrorverse. And it's a reimagining of Disney and Pixar characters like you've never seen them before. So that one's fun. I've heard of some of these brands, John. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they ring a bell. So, Tim, are you focused mostly on mobile games? Are you making games for like PCs or like Xboxes and Playstations? Sure, we focus on mobile first, uh, but we also do cross-platform play with PC on some of our games. And the reason that we focus on mobile is because that's where all the players are. You know, there are uh, about 3 billion gamers across the world right now, which if you told teenage me that, uh, he would be simply so excited by that idea. <laughs> and the vast majority of those people play on on, uh, on mobile phones because um, 
that's what the whole world can afford. And these days we've got good enough bandwidth and infrastructure uh, that everybody can download games they love for free on their phone. Sometimes if they really like it, then they'll play it on the PC as well. And then of course, some of these games make their way to consoles as well in North America and Western Europe. Is there money in mobile games? Like I just think mobile games, you know, maybe they're a couple bucks or five bucks. Uh, I know there's in-app purchases and stuff. Like, is that a big business? Sure. The, the mobile game sector is by far the biggest single chunk of the games business in the world these days. Wow. Um, and that's just a demographics function, as mentioned. Uh, you know, the, the best-selling Call of Duty that I ever had the pleasure of, of helping out with uh, did about 17 million copies. And that's, that's very, very good for a console PC product. But the games that we release at Kabam, Contest of Champions, for example, is north of 250 million players at this point. Wow. So from 17 million to 200, you said 250 million? Correct. Wow. So uh, the, this, this, if you're a performer, if you're a toy maker, which is, is what we think of ourselves as, the size of the stage that you get to perform on in mobile is simply so vast that uh, it's by far the most exciting sector to be in right now. And, you know, there are a couple of ways that you make money from uh, mobile game players. Um, you can serve them advertising, of course, uh, but then people also choose to transact in in-app purchases. Um, and that is incredibly lucrative business to be in at terms. How, how long you, have you been with Kabam? Eight years now. And so what did you start off as there? And how did you get there? <laughs> sure. Uh, so I've been making games for, for 26 years now. Um, I started when I was uh, just a kid working on a Jack Nicholas golf game back before anybody had ever heard of Tiger Woods. And um, as, a, as an animator and a designer, uh, I started with Kabam as general manager of the Vancouver studio. And there were about 38 of us there at that time. Wow. And, um, you know, the, the, the company across all of our sites is about 660 people today. Uh, in Canada, we've got operations in Vancouver, which is our headquarters, but also in Montreal, wonderful shop there, and even out on Prince Edward Island. <laughs> Prince Edward Island, you got a team out there? We do. We have a small team out there, uh, terrifically skilled in, in operating live games and some great technologists there. Uh, not a lot of people on the island, but uh, those that are there are, are really bright and fantastic. So how competitive can Canada be in this kind of big industry, multi-billion dollar industry? Like, do you find it hard to compete with other countries? Canada has a terrific workforce and Canada punches way above its weight class in the games business, also in animation and computer graphics business. Vancouver is particularly hot job market these days. Um, all of the majors, Amazon, Microsoft, Unity, um, are there. And um, that's because there's a, there's a really, really strong workforce, very youthful, uh, very tech forward, very creative. Uh, and a number of the provincial uh, governments across the country have also done a very good job of encouraging investment in the tech and entertainment sector. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it, it does. Like, How important do you think the gaming industry is in, in Canada and the tech sector? We employ um, ten, tens of thousands of people uh, with 
first class jobs and we bring hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue, billions actually, um, across the whole industry into the country. So I think that the I think that the government in Ottawa and in the provincial capitals as well has recognized what an important sector this is. And because of the demographics that you and I spoke about just a moment ago, this is still a nascent business. We're gonna see four and a half billion gamers by 2040. And Canada has an incredible opportunity to create games and content that delight these people all over the world. And what an awesome way for Canadians to make a living and have some fun doing it. Four and a half billion. I'm going to get you to put your kind of political hat on now. You know, we've read stories now in some countries, China, I'm going to uh, throw out. Um, the government there is basically limiting, you know, how much game time that kids can play there. How, how has that affected? Do you do business in China? Is that going to make a major impact for the gaming business? I mean, they have a lot of people. <laughs> We do business in China. You know, China until three months ago was the biggest gaming market in the world. And there is no doubt that the changes that the government has brought about there uh, in the entertainment sector, gaming, but other types of entertainment as well, are having a profound and deleterious effect on businesses. And clearly the party is comfortable uh, breaking a few eggs uh, in order to get where they think they need to go. Um, I am not uh, bold or foolish enough to go making a bunch of statements about uh, what the <laughs> CCP is up to, yeah. uh, except to say that it has been, uh, had a very, very significant negative effect on the gaming business. Um, but, you know, whenever one door closes, another door opens. And so there are a bunch of other countries um, that are rapidly emerging as being great target markets, uh, people who love games and are eager to play them and um, are eager, eager to fall in love with games made by Canadians. You are in a unique position. You came up through the ranks, like you were a designer, an animator, and now you're like the CEO of Kabam Games. Uh, do you miss doing the, the grunt work? I mean, you, you obviously have to deal with all the business details now. Absolutely. I still think of myself first and foremost as a toy maker, game maker, uh, probably much to the chagrin of a bunch of my young designers. <laughs> I rarely have a game design that I don't have an opinion on it. Yeah. Um, and yes, it's true. These days I spend about as much time with KPMG auditors as I do thinking about game design. That's exciting. But, uh, KP, KPMG auditors are awesome. <laughs> oh, they're fantastic people. Uh, they've got good taste in gin as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I certainly miss getting to, to um, be a game designer, but at my heart, I think I'm always gonna be a gamer and a game designer. Just sometimes you gotta do this other stuff in order to make the business work. So for some of the young folks that are out there listening to this program or even you know their parents, what kind of uh, tips or suggestions or encouragement could you give you know, the younger Canadians that are out you know, getting into the job market and, and looking to find their next job? Study, read voraciously. That's the single best advice I can give. Don't become too focused on learning a particular tool or technique. Instead, focus on becoming the type of person who can rapidly 
digest and assimilate new fields of knowledge because the whole world and particularly the tech and entertainment industries are in a state of permanent fast forward at this point. And your ability to learn new stuff quickly is the single differentiator between you as a really successful game maker um, and somebody else who is less so. We're talking with Tim Fields. He's the CEO over at Kabam Games. They've got some uh, exciting mobile uh, games that uh, you can download for your favorite uh, iPhone or Android phone. Thanks for joining us today. What a pleasure to hang out with you both. When we come back from the break, still more tech to talk. We'll be looking uh, at the latest uh, reviews on wireless earbuds from our good friend Ted Kritsonos out of Toronto and... uh, a way to transfer money around, even uh, have a U.S. account as well, all through an app. Back after this. You are back with the program. Mike and John here. Well, all of us carry smartphones around, and when we want to listen to music, we put in our earbuds. We've got a good friend, Ted Kritsonos, on the line. He's uh, done an excellent article up on our website, getconnectedmedia.com, comparing a bunch of the, uh, the best ones out there. Thanks for joining us, Ted. Always good to be with you guys. So what makes a good pair of earbuds? I mean, they start at 20 bucks, and you can spend hundreds of dollars on these things. Well, they got to sound good, but we know <laughs> Thanks, that that's <laughs> subjective, right? Yeah. I mean, what, what sounds good to one person may not sound great to the other, but I think there are some fundamental things that do apply regardless. So we can most people can agree on what sounds good and what doesn't sound good, generally speaking, just from a technical uh, st- standpoint. So from we have the sound part, we have the comfort part, and this is key. They've got to be comfortable. So yeah. unlike headphones where, yeah, comfort is always going to be a factor, I feel like with earbuds, it's even more of a factor because they're, they're just nestled in there. And if that feels uncomfortable after any period of time, it's like it, it doesn't matter how good they sound. It's done, right? So the comfort and the fit, I think, are crucial. Uh, to this. So the sound, the fit, the comfort, and then of course you have all the extra features that might be in there. So maybe you have active noise cancellation where you can block out. So the microphones that are on board can work to block out all that background sound. Can't block it 100%, but it gets close. And then you have other things like maybe there's an app that works with earbuds where you can tailor the sound to make it sound a little bit more the way you like. You want more bass? Cool. You want more treble? No problem. So there, there's a lot more to these products than simply just taking them out of a case and putting them in your ears. So Ted, you are, you're totally into earbuds. Like you're reviewing these things all the time. What are some of your favorites and why? So right now I'd say uh, when I look at the top of the list and as I wrote uh, this article, uh, the, for me the best right now overall, this is just you know sort of pound for pound as they say, I would say the Jabra Elite 7 Pro are the best okay. overall. I don't think many, um, not everyone's heard of Jabra. No, because too many people think the AirPods are the only earbuds in existence, and they're not. <laughs> uh, there's, you know, there are many that are better than the AirPods. Yeah. And of course, it depends if we're talking about the AirPods Pro or the regular AirPods. But even so, there's a lot of good companies making good products when it comes to the earbud space. And that was one thing I wanted to cover with this article. So Jabra is definitely up there. If you're a Samsung fan, you've got two options that are pretty good in the Galaxy Buds Pro and the Galaxy Buds 2. And if you want a unique fit, you can go with the Galaxy Buds Live, but the point is that you've got a couple of options if you like Samsung devices. 
if you want something for like, you, you know, you're all about working out, you want to sweat like crazy wearing earbuds, get the Jaybird Vista too. I mean, those things can take a beating. Even the case has a water resistance rating. Wow. Like that's rare. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for the case to have that, that's rare. And, but one of the things that I love about the Jaybirds is the way you can tailor the sound. I've never seen anything like it. In the app, there's a whole community that will help you figure out what, how to get the best sound possible from the earbuds. And these are all wireless. Totally wireless. When we talk about earbuds now, I think in tech parlance now, when we talk about wireless earbuds, we're talking about no cords at all. Yeah. No cables, no cords. Uh, everybody's making these now. I mean, we've got Adidas brand, branded earbuds. Remember Palm? You yes. Remember Palm? Yep. Yes. Palm is making earbuds now. <laughs> I've got them right here. Yeah. Palm is making earbuds too. So everybody's getting into this game now. And we're going to see an, exp- like, we've already seen a lot come out. We're going to see even more come out. So, Ted, you can spend hundreds of dollars on these things. What, what, in your opinion, is one of the best value ones for, you know, best bang for buck? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, best bang for buck. Well, I'm going to go back to Jabra again. The, the Jabra Elite 3 uh, are really good value for what you get. The comfort's great. Sound is great. And really, for, for, for what you're spending, it's, and they're less than the AirPods. How much are, you, what's, the, what's the rough ballpark on those? Under 100 bucks. You can what? probably find those for under 100 bucks. Under 100 uh, yeah. Oh wow. Uh, these days you can probably find them for under hundred. Uh, they and they go on sale here and there uh, on uh, on online. Like if Amazon's put, got them on sale, chances are Best Buy will too. Yeah. So yeah, you can probably find those for under hundred bucks. Not always, but usually. Uh, and one good company that makes pretty you know inexpensive earbuds is Anchor under the Soundcore brand. Okay. Uh, they're very good as well. So the sound the Soundcore Liberty Air Two. Uh, Pro, yeah, you might be able to get for a decent price, uh, and they've got a couple others as well. Like the, uh, they've got so many. They come up with so many this year. Uh, the Life, uh, I think it's the P3s, I believe. Uh, those are really good too. So they've got some. That company alone has got some great ones, but there's so many out there. We're talking with Ted Kritsonos and uh, some of his fav- favorite earbuds, and what a time of the year to actually purchase some, whether for yourself or as a gift for the holiday season. Uh, Ted has written an excellent article up on our website just comparing a bunch of the different uh, models out there and prices. So it's a a great jumping off point if you are in the market for a new pair of wireless earbuds. And Ted, as always, is very objective (laughs) with his his, uh, reviews on on these. And we should mention, Mike, that that list is going to constantly change. So keep coming back. We're gonna, yeah, exactly. Keep coming back because that, that list is going to change as we go year over year. Thanks for joining us, Ted. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. That was Ted Kritsonos uh, talking about earbuds. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about transferring money around the world. If you have uh, money coming in from different countries, there's an app that makes it easier and cheaper. Maybe you even want to set up a U.S. account. You can do that with an app. Stay tuned. You're back with the program, Mike and John here. Well, the nice thing about uh, technology is it makes things easier and easier. And we've got a great guest on the line when it comes to uh, working with money, transferring money. Uh, we've got Nick Lembo. He is uh, with Wise. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I wanted to get you on the program. We've actually done uh, a great article uh, about uh, your app and service up on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. I think Ted Kritsonos, uh, one of our writers, uh, did that. Uh, but explain to the listeners what uh, WISE is all about and why it'll make their lives easier. 
Sure. So Wise is a app website that lets you send, spend, and receive money all around the world. So whether you're sending to family members or friends in another country or receiving money from an employer or someone abroad, uh, we take the hassle and the expense and um, the slowness out of that process. So for the people that haven't had to transfer money around the world, how did we used to do it in the old days or, or still do it? Well, if you can believe it, it often started with getting in line at a bank branch uh, or going to a Western Union branch or somewhere in person. But even today, uh, if you're using an incumbent or a legacy provider like a bank or a Western Union, um, may happen online, but oftentimes it's uh, expensive, it's slow, and it's inconvenient. So you might have to go onto your bank's website, they'll tell you there's no fees or a very small fee, and you'll send money to another country if you can, and oftentimes less will come out the other side. Um, and that's because most of the time there's a markup baked into the exchange rate. So you're getting less than you might've been told. And that's a hidden fee on most of the time when we send money between different currencies. And so, so how are you guys different then? Like, do you, what, what are your fees involved with transferring money? Well, most of the time, if you were using a bank, let's say, or a Western Union or even PayPal, uh, you're going to spend somewhere between 3 to 5% markup on that exchange rate that I was talking about, right? And that might be because a bank, traditionally, if you're sending money, I lived in Australia for 10 years, if you're sending money from Canada or the U.S. to Australia, it actually goes between about five or six banks along the way, right? So it might go first to London, and then maybe it goes to Frankfurt, and then to Hong Kong, Singapore, Australia. And this is called the correspondent banking system. And every one of those banks punches the ticket along the way, and these fees add up. What WISE does is we essentially have global bank accounts all around the world. So your money never actually has to cross borders. So in that same example, sending money from Canada to Australia, I pay into WISE's Canadian account. I see the real exchange rate and what the fees are. And we pay out to the recipient account out of our account in Australia. So the money never crosses borders. We can take out a lot of that by cutting out the middlemen, we can take out a lot of that fee. So compared to five, six percent, typically with a bank or PayPal or Western Union, MoneyGram, you spend our average fee on average about 0.67, percent, depending on what currency you're sending to or from. And that's the exchange rate. That is the fee that, that you pay. Oh, the fee. So okay. you get the you get the real exchange rate, the same as if you typed one American dollar to one Australian dollar onto Google. You get that plus a small fee, depending what country you're sending to or from that sounds better than, <laughs> than the other ones you know that's the thing when i'm you know if i had to transfer money you just never know like with the exchange rates with the banks like is that a good deal like how much are they marking it up like i think that's just kind of a mystery to a lot of consumers i think it's one of the biggest issues and we spend a lot of time educating consumers and policymakers all around the world that this is essentially a hidden fee that is a ripoff that affects a lot of a lot of consumers and some of uh, people who maybe are sending money home to friends or family supporting their businesses you know things that are better used than lining the pockets of banks and I, I think that that point you made about the as the money travels the world and goes through all these different countries someone's taking their piece along the way that's probably pretty illuminating to a lot of people you think you know I'm just going to direct deposit this to Mike's account in Australia, like your example, but to get there, like it literally has to go through all these other systems. Yeah. When you think about it, like if you're transferring like $10,000 and there's fees of up to like 5%, that, that adds up very, very quick. It's not $500, right? Yeah. 
I don't want to give away $500. (laughs) Well, we did some, some research that for Canadian consumers and businesses together, that exchange rate markup, that kind of hidden fee uh, is somewhere on the average of $13 billion a year. um, That's coming out of, we are in the wrong business. (laughs) (laughs) Mike and John's exchange. Yes. Uh, So, uh, so obviously in Canada, I'm, I'm betting that a lot of people are doing business in the U S like, can you set up a U.S. account? Yes. So the company started as a money transfer service. The example I gave, one country to another between bank accounts. And over the years, our customers have told us, hey, I realize I'm getting ripped off in multiple currencies, not just by sending money, but also when I use my credit card or receive money. Um, so in the example you just gave, if you wanted to get paid in U.S. dollars, we actually years ago created something we call the Wise Account which is a multi-currency account. It lets you hold 50 different currencies in your account, but it also lets you set up bank account details at the push of a button. So you could log on to the Wise app today, create an account, and you will, at the push of a button, get your own USD dollar bank account details that you can pay into and pay out of. So in addition to sending money, which is kind of the most basic version of our product, we've now expanded to offer these kind of multi-currency account solutions in the US, in Canada, and in about seven or eight other countries, you can create these bank accounts at the push of a button to get paid into, which is, especially if you're a freelancer or small and medium business, and maybe you do some business abroad, but not a whole lot, is a really useful way to kind of sidestep what is otherwise a really painful process. During the pandemic, I have some friends that were getting paid in either U.S. or other currencies, and they were posed with a really challenging problem. They needed to actually physically go to a branch in the U.S. to, to just to like sign something. You have this facility that you can just do from your phone, which is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, um, for anyone who's a, especially like you said, in the pandemic, a freelancer or a business owner of some type, anyone who's tried to set up a bank account in another country has gone through a version of what you just described. So we hear a lot from different types of users, um, you know, that are doing those types of activities, getting paid in multiple currencies, maybe they're a freelance designer or freelance whatever, uh, you know it opens up a lot of opportunity to be able to work in a way that I think lots of people are getting used to uh, as we come out of the pandemic. The other thing I think about too is if you say you sell a product in another country, like say you have an Etsy store or something like that, you're getting paid in US dollars, but then you know Etsy's taking their cut and all these different things. Any kind of profits you would have had are being eaten up by all these fees. And this is one way to sort of at least minimize that hit yeah i mean a huge part of of what we're trying to do is take out the cost in addition to the complexity and and the speed of what should be uh, a pretty painless process you know like you said one of those in the beginning one of those things that seems like it should be really easy in 2021 but it's actually really expensive and difficult and time consuming if you go down the traditional path we're talking with uh, Nicholas Limbo from Wise. Uh, it's an app that lets you set up uh, accounts in different countries and lets you move money around easily. I got questions, Nicholas. Uh, so if I set up a U.S. account, and is there a limit to how much money I can have in there? Uh, in the U.S. account, no, there's not. The fees will vary sometimes depending on the currencies and how much you're holding or sending at any given time. But no, uh, we have people using this into more commas than I have in my bank account. <laughs> so, okay, let's say I have a U.S. account and uh, I, 
I sell something and it's $10,000 in there. How do I get it into Canada and, and get that cold, hard cash in my hands? Oh, I know what you're sure. talking about. So the same way, um, if I, in the example I gave earlier, where I send money from one currency to another, if you already have a Canadian bank account and you're holding um, US dollars in your WISE account, you can convert that into Canadian dollars and then simply transfer it to your Canadian account that you use for your everyday domestic banking. Um, hopefully easy peasy. Is that easy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds too good to be true. Like, what's the catch here? Uh, you know, we're on a mission to make uh, money move um, more cheaply and, and more conveniently and, and faster for most of our customers. We've got like 10 million customers now around the world, uh, 3,000 people working on this problem. And, and you know, Canada is just another place where we're trying to make that, that simpler for our users. Where can people find out more information about this, Nicholas? Uh, Wise app available in iOS or Android app stores or wise.com. You can find out everything you need to get started. So that's W-I-S-E. Wise. Thanks for joining us, Nicholas. Thanks for having me. I'm totally getting this. I'm going to use it. Oh, I know you're going to use it. Yes. When we come back from the break, we've uh, got a lot more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the App Show. Mike and John here. Don't forget to listen to our sister program. It's called Get Connected. It's on across the Course Radio Network in various cities on Sundays, Saturday nights in Toronto. And it's kind of more of a general tech show, all about smart homes and EVs and everything. It's on Saturday. Saturday, did I say that? You said Sunday. It's been a long day. <laughs> Already. Uh, and we also podcast them. So if you want to subscribe to our podcast, you really should. It's like awesome. It's awesome content. Great to listen to, uh, you know, on your way to work whether you're commuting uh, on a bus or train or in your car uh, as well. And if you just happen to miss an episode or you caught the last bit of it, you can just go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com, click on the listen tab, and you'll see the latest episodes right there. You can actually play them right in your browser. Also on the website uh, are YouTube uh, video links as well. We've got all sorts of great uh, product reviews, how-to tips and tricks and please subscribe to our channel so we can make uh, more videos for you. Got to thank all the folks that helped put the show together. Of course, John, uh, my co-host and producer, also Christina Stoyanova, and the rest of the gang uh, at uh, the office, Stephen and uh, Robin and, and Nigel as well. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.